Hello, and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Kate Moody. In today's episode, we're asking, do parents need better financial services? While historically, growing families may have been considered to be baked into the fabric of joint accounts and wealth management, there's actually a lot of gaps in which new players are looking to address the needs of new parents directly. Like the children themselves, this industry is still very much in its infancy. But considering 173 million Americans are parents, as well as more than 10 million in the UK, there's lots of potential to grow, and that's just two markets. So in this show, we've put together a panel of experts to discuss what does the market look like today for new parents? What are the biggest challenges stopping this niche becoming bigger? And what do we hope to see in the future? We'll discuss all this and more in today's show. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. Heads up, people. We've got a brand spanking new report dropping very soon. The 11FS Pulse Report 2023 will officially land later this month. What were the best fintech user journeys of 2022? Which UX trends are set to take the new year by storm? All of this will be answered and more with winning insights from our 11FS Pulse team experts and global industry leaders. Go to info.11fs.com slash pulse-report to download and to find out more. That's info.11fs.com slash pulse-report. We can't wait to share what we've been working on. In today's volatile market, financial services companies that want to thrive must prioritise customer loyalty and engagement. Amplitude, the number one self-service digital analytics platform, helps teams identify key drivers of retention and opportunities for improvement. With Amplitude's insights, you can build your product to increase transactions, retain customers, and grow loyalty. To succeed in today's market, visit Amplitude.com. Okay, let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of fantastic guests who can shed some light on this super interesting topic. First off, I'm joined by Sarah Mozkov, CEO and co-founder at Winnie. Thanks very much for joining us, Sarah. What can you tell us about Winnie, please? Thanks for having me. So Winnie is a childcare marketplace. We're uh, all over the United States, but only in the United States right now. We help parents find daycare and preschool, so group childcare uh, that's licensed. And we've been at this for seven years now, which feels like a lifetime. I like the sort of subtle implication that like just the US for now, like in you know, a big, yeah. big global One domination. Day we will plans. be everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, we also have a FinTech Insider debut for Jacqueline Rome, founder and CEO Onward. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Great to have you with us. Can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and Onward, please? Hi, Kate. Uh, happy to be here today. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of Onward. Onward is a financial technology company built for the needs of co-parents, so primarily divorced and separated parents uh, who are raising children together and somewhat financially intertwined over the life of the child. Um, we also, similar to Sarah, um, our company is targeted currently at the 50 million divorced and separated parents with children under uh, the age of 18 in the United States. But clearly, this is a global problem and something that we plan to grow over time and tackle uh, in the future. Fingers crossed. Last, but by no means least, we have Yusuf Darwich, co-founder at Nosso. Great to have you here, Yusuf. What can you tell our audience about Nosso, please? Okay, um, great to be here and thanks for having me on. Um, so Nosso is an app that helps families invest and plan for their financial futures together. We're basically building everything in a way that makes financial services multi-user and lets you do more and more planning, saving and investing for yourselves and for your children together. 
we launched last year and our first product was an investment account for children that the parents can open and they can invite everyone and you know themselves to contribute to um we're uk based for now so we'll bring a slightly uk uh, angle to all this brilliant um really excited to get all your perspectives a great blend of different different takes and industries so let's dive in Okay, so I'd love to start by looking at sort of the opportunity that, that we think is available in this space, as well as uh, the, the current options that are, that are out there. So I suppose to start us off, you know, when you when you become a parent uh, or a co-parent, you know, what are some of those big financial concerns that you have to start thinking about that you may not have come across before? Sarah, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, childcare is uh, obviously just a huge expense for families. And it's one that uh, a lot of families don't plan for really at all. And they're really surprised by. Um, And what we saw really, you know, seven years ago, back when we were starting Winnie, is this is disproportionately impacting mothers in a negative way. So obviously, this is a issue shared by all parents, but it was disproportionately women that were dropping out of the workforce when childcare was too expensive or hard to come by. And that, you know, reduced their earnings, not just for that time period, but for their lifetime. Uh, If they dropped out, they, you know, lost all of that um, experience or might never return. Um, And now, you know, thanks to the pandemic, I think this is kind of everyone just believes this. It's not something we have to prove. But back seven years ago when we were kind of pitching Winnie, people were like, really, are you sure it's really mothers that are really disadvantaged by childcare being hard? And we were like, yeah, and we have the data to show it. Um, And now, you know, we can see that this is this is clear as day. and, And that's, you know, one of the big drivers for why we do what we do at Winnie to try to make childcare more accessible and affordable because it is one of the biggest expenses that families have, if not the biggest expense when you have kids. Um, and it, you know, really hurts women. What is it about childcare that means that people don't plan for it in advance, do you think, versus maybe some of the other elements of having children? Uh, I think it's really expensive. So it's hard to plan for in advance, um, especially when you're early on, you know, in your life. It's not like your children going off to college where you're, you know, more established. Um, This is, you know, one of the first expenses you have um, as kind of a a new adult in the world. And so it's, you know, even if you do plan for it and you know about it, you can't really do anything about it because it's so expensive and it's so early on. Um, But I think one of the big things that we see is that when kind of calculating um, how to handle this huge expense, what we see families do often is kind of be like, well, it doesn't make financial sense for me to work because childcare is so expensive. Um, So one of us parents should kind of take a step back, you know, work fewer hours or drop out of the workforce entirely. Um, And I think what that calculation doesn't take into account is that this is a lifetime of earnings that you're impacting, not just you know this one year, um, because childcare uh, is really the biggest burden when your kids are you know zero to five, and then it remains a burden uh, because the school day and the workday are not aligned, um, but it becomes less less so um, and more more of a manageable expense. So it's um, I think there's also some financial planning that's not you know kind of fully thought out over the lifetime of your earnings. Oh, for sure, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Um, Yusuf, what, what do you see from from your perspective? What do you think are the, the kind of other financial concerns that maybe people don't think about before they have kids? 
So yeah, before they have kids, I think uh, I think like Sarah said, that, that there's not much that you actually think about before you have kids. If I'm being honest, um, but when when you do have kids, it's funny that that childcare one does tend to trigger a load of the other kind of costs that are coming because you realise how expensive kids actually are. Um, the two most common goals that we see on our platform that kind of parents are, are saving up for is um, property. Um, so basically, I think our generation has has kind of like accepted the fact that a lot of us you know it took us ages to become homeowners some of us might not become homeowners for a, for a long time so i was thinking like what can we do to help our children become home, homeowners before the age of 30 35 40 whatever um so that's a really big one um and i think we, we get it here in the uk but i would imagine uh, a load more in the us further education um so you know i think it, it is quite expensive or education in general i think it is quite expensive when you think about you know here in the uk if you want to educate your kids kind of private that's going to be probably the second biggest expense you have apart from a house and if you've got more than one child you know it might even be the biggest um and then yeah you know in the u.s obviously kind of um university college fees just you know it costs a lot of money and basically need to be thought of from the day your kid is born yeah i have family in in the u.s and i still after many many years of talking about it still cannot get over how much higher education costs in the u.s um jacqueline anything else you want to throw into the mix from from your perspective yeah, actually, I think it's really fascinating how all three of us uh, focus on different areas of the financial relationship. And I would say what's most pertinent uh, for our business is that in the United States, uh, child support, which is the payment that often gets mandated among two divorced parents, actually only covers three categories, uh, which is food, shelter and clothing which parents going into the marriage actually might think that those might be their, their biggest costs. But actually, per the USDA, um, those three categories account for 53% of the cost of raising a child and don't account for all of the expenses that co-parents on our platform are primarily going back and forth over, which include medical, actually is our biggest category here in the U.S., uh, or on, on a word, followed by um, extracurricular activities, things like summer camp, uh, ballet practice, math tutoring, etc., all of which is not covered by child support. So even kind of the three staples you might consider really is only half of the cost of raising a child for most co-parents. Um, also, you know, that's impacted by the cost of healthcare in the United States and just all the extracurriculars you might not think about um, that really rack up uh, for every child. This is probably going to be quite depressing listening for any of our listeners who haven't haven't had kids yet or are thinking about it. But I suppose what we can what we can all probably agree on is there are lots and lots of costs. How have the financial services industries across both these markets across the world generally, I suppose, tried to solve for, for parents historically? What what is what's been the approach to date, Yusuf? So I think uh, I guess I'm quite I'm quite negative of what's been done or, or so far, which is obviously the reason why we're looking at this space. Because I think what you find today is actually that a lot of the the products that are targeted at parents are basically products that work for an individual on their own, except they've been kind of branded with a stamp that says joint on them or something along that lines. So you know, joint bank accounts are obviously one of the most kind of common financial products out there for for for, for couples or parents or you know two people to do together. But really, if you think at the heart of it, what is a joint bank account? is very it is basically exactly the same as a single uh, user bank account with a with a, with a stamp on it uh, i think then if you look slightly further ahead into like you know actually the uh, you know the passing away field i think like wills is one that has been done pretty well um but i think apart from that everything else out there is single user and kind of assumes that you know families operate in the same way that they did 50 years ago where only one person worked only one person was in charge of money um so to be honest i don't think you actually get a huge deal out there for for parents that, that that's built and suited for parents for sure i mean i suppose yeah, to, to build on Yusuf's point 
Sarah, I guess like none of us would be on this show if we thought that the existing solutions were were perfect. So, you know, what was what was the problem that Winnie was trying to solve? Like, how did your business model come together when you were setting Winnie up? Yeah, so we, I mean, it was a long, windy road, and I'll spare you all the gory details of getting to product market fit. But basically, we started wanting to just build something for parents. My co-founder and I were new parents at the time. We're kind of elder millennials. And we saw this trend where millennials were having kids and turning to technology to solve their problem. We were like, well, we, you know, we're engineers. We can build technology. We should build something to make parents' lives easier. And as we kind of dug into it, we realized, you know, we built a bunch of things that didn't have product market fit. And that's how we stumbled on childcare because that was sort of the you know, now it seems obvious in retrospect, I have three kids, I realize I can't do anything without childcare. But at the time, I didn't really understand that childcare was sort of like the basic need. <laughs> if you don't solve that, it doesn't matter, you know, if you find parents great vacations to take with their families, like that, that's a nice to have, but childcare is a necessity. Um, and, you know, we found that one of the biggest barriers was, was really affordability. Um, you know, you didn't, have childcare you thought you could afford. Um, and so uh, there's really in the United States, nothing. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say nothing. There's um, some programs that help low-income families um, receive subsidies for childcare, um, but it's very difficult to even know about those programs, qualify for those programs. Um, so for the vast majority of families, there's very little financial help or support um, when it comes to finding or paying for childcare. And so it's a it's a massive problem. It's also a massive market. And that's sort of what drew us to the problem space of like, can we make this easier? And how can we start to chip away at at the problem and, and help more families find and afford care? Jacqueline, I'm guessing you must have spotted an issue with the existing system for, for you to start onward. What, what was the kind of the problem with the system as it is that you've set up onward to try and fix? Yeah, so I'm um, very much tied to what I said before, actually, the fact that child support in the United States only covers those three categories, uh, which means that most divorced parents in the United States, you need to text and email each other every single month um, about expenses related to medical bills, extracurricular activities, etc. Um, and then actually, even farther than that, when you look and kind of double click into child support in the United States, um, because the cost of getting a divorce in the US uh, with the full legal process is so high at 34 thousand dollars per couple actually 65 percent of those who get divorced actually don't have a child support agreement in place which means that every single expense for their children is now up for negotiation uh, via text message uh, or emailed spreadsheet so you can imagine just how difficult those conversations are um, among our users actually the average most people get divorced with kids between the ages of five and ten so you have you know eight to 15 years or so of uh, going back and forth with an ex over money and just those conversations can be super, super challenging, uh, particularly because most people got divorced for, for a reason. And uh, so uh, that's, that's really the problem um, that, we, that we solve. And, and child support also is, is calculated differently in every single state. Uh, it's not really based on your child's needs. It's basically a formula that gets bit out by a computer system and doesn't take into account if you have a child who's a sports superstar with extra uh, costs for their sports league or a special needs child. Um, and so just the way the system is structured really doesn't meet not only the needs of the child um, in being customized to them, but also the needs of the parents to ensure that they're not having to go back and forth every single month for their kids. We've touched on lots of our kind of 
I suppose, current experiences so far, like Yusuf, how important is it to have lived experience in this space to make a successful product, do you think? I think in general, to be honest, I've always had the attitude of like, um, you need to build for yourself. Um, and to be honest, it was only actually when, you know, I became a parent that I started seeing opportunities in this space, right? I think it's very hard to like um, build a great product where where um, you're not the target audience. And to a certain extent, I think that's a lot of the reason why actually the parent space hasn't been innovated in as much. Like if you look at the big kind of, you know, European, uh, I can speak for Europe, I, I know less about the States, but if you look at the big European kind of fintechs here, um, and the founders of those business, none of them have any children really, right? And so it's not really surprising that the amazing products they've come out with are for individuals without children. So yeah, in general, I'm a firm believer and like I only started seeing these opportunities when you know my wife and I had kids. I started speaking to a lot of my friends who were getting to that age of having kids and starting to think about like, how do we do all of this stuff? For sure, yeah. I've um yeah, as as somebody who's become a parent myself recently, it's it's amazing how much it changes your perspective on on so many things. Well, we've already touched on it a little bit, but I suppose let's let's zoom into I suppose what we think some of the biggest challenges are then when it's comes to stopping financial services from addressing some of the issues that we've we've touched on for parents so far. Um, I suppose one one challenge that I've heard people talk about, maybe for some for parents, is that actually, you know, it's parents is a very broad category, right? Like it covers lots and lots of different types of people. There's huge numbers of them, but it's a very broad and varied market. You know, Sarah, did that have an impact on you guys when you were designing your offering? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. Like I definitely got into building something for parents because I became a parent myself. But as it turned out, like the more I started building Winnie and, you know, especially what we focus on today, it became much less about me. And today it's, it really looks like nothing for me. We, you know, are a two-sided marketplace. So we have parents on one end, but we have childcare providers, these businesses on the other end. Um, And our business really hinges on them being successful. If they don't run successful, profitable businesses, they can't, you know, accept more families. Um, They don't have the spaces. They, you know, can't uh, make their care as affordable as possible if their costs are super high. Um, So it really became about building for this other kind of user in addition to parents, which is the childcare provider who, you know, look very different from me um, and have very different needs and backgrounds. So, um, I think it's important to kind of balance both. You have to have the kind of motivation and desire to build um, in this space, but then at the same time, you know, realize that these users don't look like you in many scenarios and um, you still have to, you know, figure out what their needs are and how to build for them. And uh, I guess going back to your question, um, that was like one of our first kind of aha moments with building Winnie was parents is a very broad category. And every parent is looking for something slightly different when it comes to childcare. Um, every family, you know, feels like there's some kind of unique scenario. So, you know, I want Spanish immersion or I have two kids and I need these hours for this child and this for this other child. Um, and so the more we could build a really flexible platform that, parents could use to find what they were looking for, knowing that it was going to be super varied, um, the better. So we focused a lot on, you know, scale and data and having, you know, now we have over 250,000 daycares and preschools on Winnie. So really the kind of breadth of uh, information, knowing that every parent was going to be looking for something slightly different. Absolutely. Jacqueline, I like the point that Yusuf made earlier about, you know, today it's quite often just been about taking an individual product and slapping 
joint on top of it. But what's your view on, um, have we been solving for parents plural too often? Have we kind of lost sight of individual or lone parents? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think they, they have very particular needs, uh, different needs, actually, even uh, in terms of childcare, as uh, if you have primary custody, you might need more help from family uh, than if you're raising children with a partner. Um, but yeah, I think that the needs of co-parents in particular um, are, are pretty different, uh, definitely financially, because they're still financially tied together for many, many years. Um, and uh, that's something that we're, we're very excited to build towards. And I would say, you know, actually our, our company vision is to build for the modern family. Um, and we think about that actually in, in that kind of different segments that have different needs. So when we're starting out with a focus on divorced and separated parents, but then similarly uh, today, actually 37% of millennials in America keep their money separate at the point of marriage. And that's growing every single year. So over time, we actually think about co-parents uh, as a broader category with subsense, including those who are still together, um, but keep separate finances. Um, and for those different groups of people, each group needs to, to manage their finances in a different way. Uh, there are certain things that might be joint. There are certain things that are split 50-50. There are certain people who like to split 70-30 based on income. Um, and all of that nuance needs to be taken into account, uh, especially if you're building products that you know do facilitate joint financial instruments for both. Absolutely. Um, Yusuf, we've touched on across lots of our shows, obviously, the impact of the macroeconomic environment at the moment. How do, how do, how is that impacting this specific space? You know, do products and needs for parents change in particular as we face into the economic downturn? I guess it's more of a focus on um, the kind of like protection and um, the saving side of things rather than necessarily, you know, in, in probably 2020, every every kind of product out there was focused on helping you kind of grow your wealth. And I think we've seen that on our product, right? Like ultimately our product is much more focused on the wealth side, but we have certainly seen over the last few years, well, sorry, over the last I mean, six months or so, um, that focus on where the money is coming from is slightly different to what it was. So I'll give you an example. So I think if we if we think back kind of a year ago, um, we had a you know really high uh, percentage of, of kind of parents setting up their own direct debits and funding their their children's accounts. But actually, what we've learned over the last few months is, given the environment we're in rely less on the parent to do that, rely more on the grandparent, the godparent, the aunt and the uncle to kind of help with all of that. So I think that's one of the things that we've seen a lot, actually, how can financial services better help parents who are probably starting to feel this um, a lot sooner than maybe, you know, the the, the grandparents effectively. Um, so yeah, I think like, you know, there has obviously been a large percentage of parents today who are worrying about finances, um, even more so than usual when, you know, something as we've all said, we all worry about endlessly. Absolutely. Sarah, have you guys seen any impact on, on your platform from the economic downturn? Yes. So one of the big things is like the demand shift. Um, so we are seeing, and we, we did see this before the economic downturn, but it's really been accelerated, which is like more interest in part-time childcare, flexible childcare, drop-in childcare, um, sort of like non-standard hours that are not you know, nine to five full-time, five days a week. And, the, we, you know, we think there's a number of reasons for this. One is like, you know, people are working more flexibly now, but also people are trying to save money. So if they feel like they can get by with four days a week of daycare because they have a family member who can help out on the fifth day, um, they will try to make that work. And we're seeing that kind of squeeze the childcare providers then because it's, you know, difficult for them to, you know, have 
predictable income if parents are kind of cutting back. So we're seeing it kind of on both ends, but uh, we think the kind of economy is really driving parents to try to get by with less hours of paid childcare. Mm. Yeah. Jacqueline, I mean, I'm guessing co-parenting is stressful enough in good times, let alone in difficult times. So is it changed the, the way you're prioritizing your roadmap or what you want to build out from here? Uh, I don't think it changes the way we build out our roadmap. We're kind of already building for a place where kind of the dollars going back and forth can be quite stressful. Um, but in terms of the economic downturn, I would say uh, generally we do see divorce rates go up um, during difficult economic times. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, money is the number two cause of divorce. Um, and a lot of people uh, actually are coming to our platform after arguing about money during the course of their marriage. Uh, and so that's, I think it's just interesting uh, that divorce rates go up during that period of time. And then when there are less dollars to, to go around, of course, each of the conversations become more stressful and emotionally charged. And that's really where we hope to, to help. Uh, we play kind of a trusted middleman in all of the communications that goes back and forth between the parties so that we automate and eliminate those stressful conversations so that co-parents, you know, in a more difficult economic time, uh, don't have to have those stressful conversations themselves. Yeah, I mean, um, I am for the moment, I'm about, sorry, I'm going to say I'm, I'm for the moment still happily married. That makes it sound like my marriage is in jeopardy, which is not, hopefully. But um, I was going to say <laughs> conversations are stressful enough with, within relationships, so I can imagine even more so outside. Um, Yusuf, what do you think is the biggest pain point for you you know, as a as a player operating this space, you know, when you're operating financial service in this space, apparent what's what's the most difficult thing for it to overcome? So I think there's like two that kind of fit together. I think there's the financial services one and then the parenting one. Um, if I start with the financial services one, and I, I think it kind of applies to any financial services, to be honest. But regulation, um, I think regulation is is kind of very tricky to work with. I think, especially as I said, the majority of kind of financial services products, when they were first created and when the regulation around them was first written, were designed in a slightly different um, era to the one we're in now, where kind of families looked and operated in a very different way. Um, so I think that's kind of the first one, you know, how do you bring the regulators forward on this journey um, where, where you know, finance is a lot more collaborative and a lot more, you know, two people of equal standing in a relationship doing it together. Um, I think the other one from the parenting point of view is, you know, genuinely when, generally when you are trying to um, – kind of build new products it's all about how much time can you actually get with your customers learning about them speaking to them and ultimately parents are the busiest people on the planet um so you know how can we make sure that we're really learning from them as much as we can and building a product that's you know perfect for them um yeah i think those are probably the two biggest pain points that kind of intersect together very nicely when you're building a financial services product for parents yeah for sure i mean i still we weren't uh, designing a, a parenting proposition at the time, but I still remember I was interviewing a customer for one of our projects at Lemonfest, and he just said, oh, "I'm sorry, I have to go change my son's nappy." And just halfway through the interview, just you know, I mean, I couldn't see it. Like, but he just stood on his back to me, car- carried on talking to me about you know what we were talking about, you know, savings and, and managing money, but just was you know changing his son's nappy as he went. So yeah, definitely, definitely, I've, I've observed that for myself in the real world how difficult it is to get get time with parents. Jacqueline, Sarah, are there any particular kind of pain points in the US in particular obviously that you're setting up your businesses in in the US that anything from a operational point of view that you've you've really had as a a barrier to overcome there's like so many (laughs) it's hard where where should I start Um, I think one of the biggest barriers is is a fake barrier and that's why it's so frustrating for me and it's that you know childcare and really parenting 
tech in general in the United States doesn't get a lot of respect um, from funders. And so like investors, I remember in the early days of Winnie, like we had investors that were just like, oh, childcare is not a big market. And it's like, this is a massive market, you know, daycare and preschool alone. So the group license care aspect of just kids zero to five is $60 billion in the US alone. And then, you know, you add on all those extracurriculars, aftercare for elementary age kids, private school, um, things like nannies and babysitters, you know, you get over $100 billion. And uh, it's it actually is a, a really massive market. Um, and so it's just f- frustrating how overlooked um, the industry is. And it's hard for, you know, companies starting up to kind of get that initial funding you need to sort of prove something out uh, when, you know, no one wants to give you the time of day and, you know, they want to invest in the next, you know, crypto marketplace um, or other fraudulent business. Um, and so that to me has been like kind of the most frustrating barrier starting starting Winnie and growing Winnie. And now, you know, we're fortunate to be in a place where we can rely on our own profits and revenue to grow, but it wasn't easy in the early days when we didn't have that. For sure. Okay. Well, we've definitely talked about the problems and the barriers. I suppose I'd like to switch into uh, positive mode and maybe think about what we think might be possible in the future, how things could, how things could change. Um, Jacqueline, sorry, it's a bit of a, a boring question nowadays, but everyone's obsessed with super apps, right? So you know, do you think we could see a financial services super app aimed at parents? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's something my investors talk to, talk to me about quite regularly. Um, you know, within the divorce ecosystem, there actually is an opportunity just alone in kind of the co-parenting space for a super app uh, beyond the financial aspect of the relationship. You could also build something that touches custody calendars, um, touches messaging back and forth among co-parents, sh- sharing documents, actually. And we have a, a few a kind of handful of competitors in the space going that way. But interestingly enough, uh, the, the, the majority of people who download our app love the fact that it's a pure financial focus. And they tell us that it, for them, it was a differentiator between dropping into an app that has a ton of features, but doesn't really do any of those features well. We intentionally started out just focusing on the financial relationship because money is the number one cause of arguments among co-parents. And we thought that hyper-focus actually gave us uh, an advantage in the market. And we're seeing that play play out. Um, that said, you know, I think there is an, an opportunity. I think the, the challenge is really doing all of those features well and that we definitely have yet to see uh, in our space but um, there's there's definitely opportunity for it for sure Yusuf you you've got super app ambitions for Nosso yeah like if I'm being honest I think I think it's kind of needed because I think the needs of a parent are so different to the needs of kind of a single user that to build a truly great experience for, for parents you need something that's purely focused on them um, I would actually take that a step further and probably say in my opinion, it is easier to build a financial services super app targeted at parents than a general financial services super app. Reason being, if you're kind of trying to design this financial services super app, which is medicated to students, to you know recent graduates, to parents, to grandparents, retirees, etc., all of them are so different. And so, how can you cater for all of those needs perfectly? So, yeah, I'm you know very much of the hope that um, someone, and you know, hopefully, we are one of those that can build a financial services super app for, for parents. Because in general, I see like the next ten years a lot more kind of niche super apps targeted at um, specific segments of society rather than kind of the last five which have been we will build for everyone interesting 
Sarah, do you have aspirations to kind of bring more into your platform going forward, like to broaden that out, or are you going to kind of keep your specific sort of childcare focus? Um, I think we've always gotten in trouble when we've gone too broad too quickly. And we've always seen the biggest kind of step function gains in our business when we've really focused. And uh, so we're, you know, like childcare is, is a massive space and market. And then, you know, parenting in general, you could just imagine we could take Winnie in so many different directions beyond helping parents find daycare and preschool. But we still feel like we have so much to do to make just daycare and preschool search incredible and to enable all parents to afford and access it. Um, and so we really want to like solve that problem first in the United States and then ideally everywhere uh, before we, you know, start to tackle other problems that, um, you know, just cause us to split focus, especially in this market where uh, you really have to be um, thoughtful with how you spend every dollar. Yeah. Um, and as you know, we always tend to find when we look at the US, like people think of the US almost as like one monolithic country, but obviously the, the nature of variation across states means you've kind of got so many challenges to solve for just in one country. So um, yeah, definitely a ton on your plate. Um, we love to talk about banking as a service, obviously on on this podcast or BAS as, as fan, fan boys and girls like to call it. So how much of a difference does banking as a service make to what it's possible to design for for parents? Jacqueline? Yeah, uh, for us, it's made a big difference. Uh, we actually are integrating with a, a BAS um, for the financial products that are on our roadmap. And uh, I think these companies have definitely enabled startups like ourselves to move very quickly, much more than, let's say, was possible in kind of 2017, 2018. Um, that said, I think it's going to be interesting to see how additional regulatory scrutiny in the U.S. Uh, coming down on this entire market um, is going to evolve. It's something that we read about, talk about as a team quite regularly and are curious to see how it might you know, impact our business uh, and just impact uh, the future of the space. So um, something uh, I think we, we're very grateful for and also are keeping an eye on. Interesting. Yusuf, what was what was your experience at BAS? Have you, have you got, are you guys using BAS providers or are you building everything yourself? So not not banking, but on the wealth side, yeah, we use kind of an investment as a service provider. And like, yeah, that's certainly helped people come to market quicker, right? Um, and I think we're starting to see that as well outside of just kind of, you know, finance, well, outside of traditional finance brands, I think we are starting to see some kind of non-finance brands also moving into the space. So I think, yeah, what we'll find over the next few years is kind of a lot more providers starting to offer these services. Um, but I think Jacqueline made a good point earlier of like people when they think about their finance brands, they want them to be a finance brand. They don't necessarily want to kind of like get their banking and get their investments and get their whatever from their you know grocery store or whoever else it is, right? Um, and I think that's kind of like we've we've heard for a while, if I'm being honest, that non-finance brands are going to use banking as a service to move into the finance space. And yet, you know, still a few years later, we haven't seen anything come close to that. So in my opinion, yes, the barrier to entry has obviously been lowered. But I think finance is just so important to people that they want their provider to be a financial services company. Yeah, one that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, we had some of the guys from from Chetwood in the UK on the show a little while ago. They've uh, they're a sort of banking as a service provider, and they've announced that they're uh, in the UK teaming up with Mumsnet, which is obviously a big uh, forum for for parents to to create a sort of a bank for a bank for parents. So definitely kind of keeping that's so there's one example maybe of a non financial brand that is potentially looking to enter this market. So I'm keeping keeping an eye out for for what they what they get up to. Um, I suppose how do these how do these platforms need to develop as we talked I suppose a lot about you know, 
childcare tends to focus more on the sort of the younger age. We talked about maybe sort of parents uh, getting divorced from children between the ages of five and ten. I think you said, Jacqueline. As children become teenagers, how does how does how does the needs change? Like, do they do they have to adjust? Do they have to do things differently? Um, yeah, what's what's it doing for you? It's a great question. Um, you know, as 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 the children of, of co-parents become teenagers, um, they do have different financial needs. As they're suddenly getting allowance, um, the co-parents have to agree on how is allowance going to be run in their two different homes. Um, you don't want to have one parent giving much more in allowance than the other, and that sets up different incentives, uh, different rules in, in one home or the other. Um, and actually, uh, we think one of our biggest growth opportunities is getting the teenagers involved. Uh, in our platform at some point in the future uh, when they start getting money directly from their co-parents, uh, of course, in a way that shields them from some of the back and forth between their parents, um, but getting them involved to directly receive funds um, through the platform um, is, is definitely an opportunity as they start to manage money themselves. Interesting. Yeah. Yusuf, how, how do you guys see it impacting your offering? Obviously, like people maybe start, I imagine would would start kind of doing those investment plans when children are quite small, but do things change as the children get older? Yeah, no, for sure. I think you're right. Like the the majority of our customers, um, I think over fifty percent of our customers sign up before the child's second second birthday. So it is very much a kind of like early stage um, kind of product. I think as you as you kind of get as the child gets older, there's a few different things. I think firstly they start looking a lot more at like debit card providers because obviously that becomes a, a huge need for them. But I think if you focus on the investment piece, I think there's potentially some interesting opportunities for you know like how do you educate teenage children how to invest and potentially using kind of some um, infrastructure that allows kind of like um, approvals, I guess, where you know the children can make a suggestion as to like these are the shares that I want to buy or whatever, but the parent ultimately has the has the final approval. I think that could be quite interesting. Um, and yeah, you know, as as the the children start becoming teenagers, I assume we'll we'll see a lot more focus on that. But yeah, as I mentioned today, the majority of our of, of the children on platform are very young, so it's really focused on the parents today and how we can help them with their other stuff. For sure. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? How how does that kind of change in, in age of child kind of impact what you guys were offering? Yeah. So we got our start really focusing on, you know, kids ages zero to five and their childcare needs. And we've sort of been pulled by our users, by our customers into uh, childcare and education options for older kids. And it turns out like your needs change as a parent, but they never go away. <laughs> so, you know, when your kids age out of, you know, daycare, preschool, now they suddenly need camps in the summer because school does not operate year-round here in the United States, or over breaks, um, or they need extracurricular activities, or now we're starting to work with uh, not just camps and classes, but also tutoring partners. And that, you know, can go all the way up to when you enter college, uh, you you might receive tutoring. Um, And so, uh, you know, we're just finding it's kind of kind of limitless. And so again, like focusing on on the areas we want to really own and tackle right now is important, but then also, you know, kind of taking these opportunities to expand as they come. Um, and it's kind of nice when it's sort of a pull from the users and customers you're already working with and, and not like, oh, we have to uh, kind of break ground in this new area. It's sort of been a natural evolution, which has been nice. For sure. I mean, uh, sadly, we're we're coming towards the, the tail end of the show. I could pick your guys' brains all day, but um, I suppose just to just to round things off, I suppose if there was one thing that you could you could see change in in this sort of financial services for parents space going forward, so what would be the one thing that you would you would want to see evolve or, or change, Jacqueline? Um, 
I think uh, the one thing I would want to see change is um, just as the societal challenge that we have uh, when it comes to talking about money. Um, I think people, especially in the U.S. and culture, it's kind of a taboo topic. It makes people uncomfortable. If you think about asking your, your best friend to pay you back for a dinner that you might have gone to a week ago, that's an uncomfortable conversation. Talking to your partner uh, is an uncomfortable conversation. And then even more than anything, uh, talking to a former partner is a difficult conversation. Um, so from a societal perspective, I think money is a tool. Uh, we use it, uh, especially in our platform, for the benefit of children. And just, uh, you know, being able to be more open and talk about it uh, as a tool and not as something more contentious is is something I would love to see us shift towards as a society. And I think the way that money and relationships uh, has worked as well is something that's changing rapidly. You know, when you get married, kind of no one tells you all of the financial obligations that you are signing up for uh, with, with your partner. And I think that's something that should be more top of mind for people. Uh, and people should be given the education to understand what they're opting into and then what they're opting out of um, when they come out of that kind of legal institution. So uh, I think just the way we as a society think about money and talk to each other about money is, is the biggest area, I think, for growth uh, that I can see going forward. Here's hoping, yeah. Sarah, what about you? Uh, I think, uh, you know, I kind of hinted to this before, but more respect and funding for the kind of overall, all the areas that that touch parents. You know, parents are the largest consumer segment and childcare, especially is one of the largest pieces of spend within that segment. Um, and so, you know, parents are a massive market. Uh, I wish that they got more funding and respect, not just from, you know, venture capitalists, but also from the government and from employers um, and from, you know, all these groups where money uh, flows to pay for things like childcare. Um, I feel like this this group, this segment needs to be more valued. Fingers crossed for sure. Yusuf, you get the final word. To be honest, I have to agree with Sarah here. Like, um, I think, you know, we've seen funders back millions of Gen Z focused businesses who ultimately don't have the wallet size their parents do if we're being quite frank about it um and I think it's you know I, I I do hope that this space starts you know developing and I think it will I think you know we are starting to see a lot more focus for example on intergenerational wealth transfer which ultimately is going to land is most likely to land into the kind of wallets and pockets of, of, of parents and that generation so I do hope that does change kind of investors but you know other parties as well to start thinking about okay actually you know these people are about to start getting into some serious wealth. We need to educate them better and we need to build better tools for them to, to actually make the right decisions. So, you know, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Well, that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you so much to all of you for joining me. It's been a great discussion. Where can people find out more about you and your companies, Sarah? Winnie.com, uh, W-I-N-N-I-E.com or uh, I'm at SM on Twitter. If Twitter is still around by the time this thing airs then you can find me there. <laughs> well, we'll have to, have to keep our eye out. Um, Jacqueline, what about you? Yeah, uh, similarly, our website, so onwardapp.com. Uh, otherwise, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Yusuf? Um, yep, so for Nosso, with nosso.com is our website and on Instagram as well. We do some relatively entertaining videos from time to time at with Nosso. Um, for me personally, I'm not the most active on Twitter, so LinkedIn is probably where you'll find me. 
Cool. Uh, and you can find me, Kate Moody, on LinkedIn, Kate Moody, or on Twitter at k8.moody. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps others to find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media, just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.